book of Proverbs written by Solomon is intended, and we spoke about last week that his intention in writing the book of Proverbs was to help uh, some simple-minded people get some wisdom. So hopefully that's why you're back again this week is to get a little bit of wisdom and understanding and uh, understand God's word and how it applies to your life. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, how simple-minded are you? You showed up for week two? You have to be pretty simple-minded if you came last week and uh, got a little portion of the book of Proverbs, how that it can apply to your life. Hopefully that we see that if we know who, what, where, when, why, and how, that we can understand God's Word and its application in our life. This is the second week, so Proverbs chapter 3, verse 31 through 35 is our text today. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. Let's stand as we read these four or five verses of Scripture. It says, Do not envy the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For, for the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your wisdom. Lord, we thank you for your guidance in our life. God, I pray today, Lord, that your word would speak to us, that it would be clear, that it would be refreshing. Lord, that we could understand. Lord, that we don't need to look to others, but we need to look to you. God, help us to keep our sight on you in our forefront, God, that you're leading us and that we know that you're always there. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. You can be seated. As Solomon is writing these scriptures right here and talking about not looking around at others and envying some things that the wicked have, in our life, it's easy sometimes to look around and see somebody else that is obtaining some things and some things of this world and maybe there uh, seems like everything's going right in their life and maybe you're trying and, and really striving to seek out God and allow God to be involved in your life and you look at somebody that maybe living an ungodly lifestyle and it looks like they are progressing and they're getting and gaining all kinds of things and it's easy to become envious of things here on this earth. Has anybody ever envied, envied anything? I think we're all guilty of it at some point in our life. And as Solomon is writing these, this little short uh, five verses in Proverbs, he's talking to us about not looking to others and what they have, but we need to look to God because he's the one that can give us everything we need. And as we look at that, I begin to think about how that uh, in the culture and in the world we live in, that there's been... Uh, several shows in the past uh, 20 years or so on TV and I was thinking about, you know, some things that caused envy or uh, people to want and desire uh, other people's stuff. And I remember when I was a little kid and they had a, we had TV, you know, in the house and you had about three channels back then. I don't know if kids understand that now, but used to you had about three channels. It wasn't like you had uh, uh, 
300 channels and you couldn't find anything to watch twice a day, we had three, three, eight, and 13. And if somebody would go out and hold the pole just right, you would get channel 11. But they had to stay out there holding it to ground it or something. I don't know how that worked. But one of those uh, channels had a show on. I remember watching it as a little kid. It was called Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And that guy's voice, it was a English-speaking guy, and he would, he would talk about these big yachts and these big mansions and these big houses and all the cars and things they had and it would show their Bentleys and their uh, all the different uh, things in their life and how that that their lifestyle was different than ours and as a common uh, poor person living in Lewis County you looked at that and sometimes you would envy thinking maybe someday I'll be able to attain some of those things in my life I still never owned a Bentley I still never lived in a mansion I don't have a private jet and I sure don't have a yacht. Boats just break down. They're no fun anyway. So everybody I've ever went on out on the boat, you know, let's go out on the river and have a big time on a boat. You go out, they break down. You have to paddle back and all this other stuff. I, they don't, I no, it don't even interest me anymore. So I don't even want your yacht. Um, and that, that show uh, in that generation caused uh, envy to be in people's hearts. And then later on in life, I remember... Uh, a show come out to, for a, a channel that was, uh, I remember the first time I seen this channel was that my uh, cousin Micah and his mom and dad had a, uh, a thing called Mike Lewis. Ernie remembers Mike Lewis. He just recently passed away. Um, but he, he uh, worked at the railroad, and they bought this thing called a satellite. I don't know if you ever saw one of those, but it was really fancy. When you was a, a kid that come from a house that had an antenna, and you had an uncle that had a satellite. He's like, man, a satellite, really? That's cool because he could get all these channels. He could had a crank on it, and he'd go out there, and he'd turn it a certain direction. All these other channels would come in. And I remember uh, that Micah would watch a, a, a network that was called MTV. I was like, MTV? And I remember the guy coming on there. I don't know if you remember. His name was Mike Tedrum. He was like this. It, it was a, you remember that, Mike? Mike, you're shaking his head. Yes, Mike Tedrum was a guy that was electronic. He wasn't real. It was like a, a digitized version of a person, and he would he would lead the program kindly on on uh, MTV. That was my first occasion of that. But later on, MTV come up with this uh, show uh, that they was trying to create envy in a generation, and that MTV show was called Cribs. Cribs, and it was basically they would go into these people's houses. Maybe it was a big time rapper or a, a rock and roll star or somebody like that, and they'd go in their house and they'd show. They would go around and video everything. They'd show like the big fancy tables and kitchens and just everything they had. And they'd go out in the, in the garage and they'd have these Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all this stuff. And it, it would cause envy to come in in your heart because you're like, I would like to have that someday. Can you see how that? No matter what generation you're from, there's always been a method to where people, the devil uses things to try to create envy in your heart. That he tries to create a, a passion for things rather than a passion for God. And some of the people from other generations that didn't grow up watching Lifestyles Rich and Famous, the ones that were prior to that, maybe you w grew up watching... Uh, what was the name of the show with Fonzie on it? Happy Days. You watched Happy Days, and you thought the, that was the show 
you envied some of the things the Happy Days crew had. So no matter what generation you come from, it's always been. Look at your neighbor and say, it's always been this way. It's always been this way. It's it's nothing new. It's nothing that's, that's uh, Bible very clearly says in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun, that everything has always been and always will be, and the devil, until Jesus comes back and returns and takes his church home or until we pass away from this life, there's always going to be a method and motive of the devil to try to get you to envy other people's stuff. Look to your neighbor and say, you don't need their stuff. <laughs> it won't bring you any happiness. I, I guarantee you their things will not bring you happiness. We don't need other people's stuff. So as these shows and these uh, ways that the devil has always tried to create envy, Solomon is writing about this, and he's telling us, you know, not to look to for other people's stuff and don't envy uh, the violent people or copy their ways. Such wicked people are detestable to the Lord. But he offers friendship to the godly. Think about that for a minute. It's detestable to the Lord for us to cherish and look at other things and desire pe other people's things. But it's it's uh, in God. It brings uh, God joy when we are His friends. And the Bible talks about you know in the song you was out a few years ago in the church that we are a friend of God. We are a friend of God, and how that. Uh, James and different ones in the in the Bible talks about that we can be a friend of God. And what we need is not to look at other people's stuff and desire their things, but we need to look to God and say, God, I want to be your friend. First and foremost, uh, the thing of wisdom that Solomon's trying to set apart here for the people of God to understand is we need to be God's friends. We need to have a relationship with God. Where that he meets with us and we talk with him and we live our life with him that we can feel his presence in our life. And I love that song that they just uh, sang just a few minutes ago. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. And that song is really true because in biblical terms it, the Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And if his praises will ever be on your lips, you will always have his presence. And if you always got his presence, then you've got enough. Because there's moments in life where things won't establish you. They won't bring you happiness. They won't fulfill you. But if God's presence is in your life, it's enough. Amen? That God's presence brings uh, the fullness of joy. And, and he, he, he comes in and just uh, uh, brings us to a whole new realm. And it feels like you're in a whole new dimension when God's presence is in your life. So as Solomon's writing these words, he's, he's telling us that it's, it's not things we need, it's relationships we need. Maybe you don't need your neighbor's things, maybe you need your neighbor. You see, there's times in my life where that it doesn't matter what they bring me, it's that they're, they're there for me. That there's a relationship, that, that the relationship goes beyond the things, that it's, that it's not just... Uh, things, but it's their their relationship with me. So relationships are important. Look to your neighbor and say relationships are important. One thing that surprises me, though, is I looked through the Bible, and I did a Google search, and I went on Blue Letter Bible, and I tried to find the word relationship in the Bible. The word is not there. 
People say it all the time. We need a relationship with the Lord. That he desires a relationship with us. But yet the word isn't in the Bible. The word itself. But I think the meaning of the word is written from Genesis 1-1 till Revelation's end. That God is in a, wants to be and desires to be in a relationship with us. Even though the word may not be there, the ideal is. And God wants a relationship with you today. And as we think about Solomon writing this down and saying that I, I desire, don't desire other people, wicked people's things, but I desire a relationship with other people. As he looked around, he knew that there was wisdom in relationship, that there was wisdom that we could be a friend of God. That Then verse 33 says, The Lord curses the house of the, of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the upright. How many would like God's curse to be on your house? That would not be any fun at all, would it? To say, I welcome the curse of God on my life. But then he goes on in that verse and said, but he blesses the home of the upright. So what does it mean to be upright? It means to be in a relationship with God. Is It's not whether it's on again and off again. Has anybody ever had one of those relationships maybe that, that feels like it's on again and off again and on again and off again and there, there's people that you know that I see when they're young and they're in middle school and it's like, oh, we're dating. And they're all, yeah, we're dating. We're dating. You're, we're going out. They say, we're going, where are you going out to? You ain't even got a car. How are you going out? You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, oh, we're lovey-dovey this week, and the next week it's off. It's on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again. It's like they can't ever come to a mutual agreement and finally just say, it ain't just during the good times I'm going to be with you. I'll also be with you during the bad times. You see how that relationship affects us is we need to be with God during the good times and the bad times. We need his blessing on our life in the good times and in the bad times. That it doesn't matter what we're going through, it's that we're going through it. <laughs> Maybe I need to say that again. Doesn't matter what you're going through, it matters that you're going through it. You keep going. You don't stay put. You don't back up and say, well, this is the end. Um, it's over this time. If you still got breath in your body, there's a purpose for your life. And God's got wisdom for you in that moment that you can live with him and understand him and feel his presence in your life and his relationship with you that it's not on again or off again according to the circumstances you're in. So as Solomon's saying this, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, verse 34, the Lord mocks the mocker. There's people that mock the godly. And if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ and if you pro profess that Jesus is the Lord of your life and that God is involved in your life and you're living with him and you desire him, you will be mocked. Jesus very clearly spoke to the church. And, you know, I think it's in Matthew chapter 5 that he tells us that, there, that, uh, uh, that you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. Jesus taught us that, that the persecution would come, that mockers would come. But this verse is very clear that says, The Lord mocks the mocker. He mocks them. So even though they may seem like they're getting ahead, it may seem like they're gaining more, it may seem like that they're getting all they desire in, li in this life, this life doesn't matter. <laughs> the Lord is mocking that 
that they may seem like they're getting ahead, but really they're not. But it says he's gracious to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. Peter quotes this verse in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, I believe it is, that Peter requotes this verse in a way and says that, that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we're not to have pride in our life we, to get the humbleness that we need. If we want grace, we need to be humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame. The wise inherit honor. And some people that I've got in my life, some people that I looked up to, some wise people, most of those, if I look back now through my life, even when I wasn't a Christian, even when I wasn't following God's plan for my life, I can look back and the godly people are the wisest people. The people that I looked up to that made good decisions, most of them are godly people. Really, I don't know of anyone that's not. So I can't even say most. I would say everybody that I look up to is a godly person. Because one of the greatest decisions that tells people's wisdom is that they're willing to follow God. The wisest people on the planet serve Jesus. The fool gets put to shame and God don't want you to be put to shame God doesn't desire to look down on you or to think badly about you or look at your life and say well I, I can't believe that they come this far and now they're going to mess up and, and I'm glad God don't get glad when we mess up it breaks his heart when we fail him but he looks at us and says I'm not just in, it with, in a relationship with them in the good times I'm in a relationship with them even in the bad times so it doesn't matter what you're facing right now or what kind of circumstances is going on in your life. God is with you. And God is for you. God, we need your wisdom. Father, we need your wisdom. Lord, we need you in every area of our life. God, I pray for this congregation. Lord, that they would know, Lord, that your ways are higher than our ways. Lord, that your plans are different than our plans. But, Lord, with wisdom, they would understand, God, that there is a purpose behind it all. And, Lord, just as that song says, let your praise always be on our lips, God. Lord, as Solomon is writing and penning these words to us today, Lord, let them apply in this moment, Lord, that we won't look to the wicked for the answer. But, God, we would look to the upright for those that are following your way, for those that are following your purpose and your plan. 
thank you, Jesus, for your wisdom. Leslie, won't you come and play that song? I just want us to get... There's some songs that need to become anthems for us. says if any man lack wisdom let him ask of God and he gives to men liberally God's got enough wisdom to go around so if you could just as you're sitting there maybe you close your eyes if you would just lift your hands if you want to and begin to thank him for everything he's done in your life
wisdom and rest. Deserves the wisdom and resting in Him. Resting in His purpose and His plan. And I feel there's some people here that maybe you're feel like that you're in a strain, a, mo- a, a season of strain, of stress. And I just, I just want to pray for people. If you, if you want to come and you just feel like that you want to, you're at a moment in your life where that you're deciding today and saying, I'm tired of the stress. I'm tired of worrying. I'm tired of battling depression, anxiety, fear. I want wisdom today to know how to deal with these issues in my life and you want prayer I want you to come I want to pray for you come up here and line up and I'll just anoint you with oil like the Bible says to do and I will pray the prayer of faith and I'm believing God to settle some things in your life is there anybody else that needs prayer anxiety, fear pressure stress I want you to come
you just uh, let's all just stand up. I want you to go around and hug at least five people and tell them they got wiser today. Look at them and say, you got wiser by being here today. You got wiser.